the question Ian everyone's asking right now is, will you be carting at the door? <laughs> Meaning, like, if you're over 18, could you get in? Like, if I put my hat backwards or something, <laughs> I could come in and hear the whole. Sounds great. Okay. Good morning. All right. Uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to uh, obey the scripture this morning. Is that all right with you? We'll have words later, Andrew. First Timothy 4.13, Paul writing to Timothy, he says this, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. So I'm going to read a whole uh, chapter of the Bible this morning. It's not Psalm 119, so be... It's okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5. It won't be on the screen, but if you want to follow, there's a piece of paper on the notes that were... Uh, you could have gotten on the way in. So if anyone needs notes, wants those, you can raise your hand, and I'm going to believe that Jane, my wife, will help that happen. All right. So you can just uh, sit or you can follow along. You can close your eyes and enter in. This is Mark chapter 5, three stories of Jesus interacting uh, in a place where healing is needed. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Starting in Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out. And entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He was asking to follow Jesus. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. 
When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who'd had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. God, I just ask now in a moment of quiet that after this, your word, you would have the first word into each heart and mind and spirit here this morning. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want us to see about Jesus this morning? What do you want us to learn? What do you want us to know? Lord, what fear do you want to speak to in our lives? And Lord, how would you like to blow the fire of the Holy Spirit on our faith this morning? Amen. Well, that's a lot going on. 
I don't know why it felt so important to me that I read the whole scripture, but I think it's good to see the context and just kind of feel the, the, the pace and the momentum of Jesus' life. You know, it's like a normal, just another day for Jesus. But it wasn't another day for the people that he interacted with. It wasn't just another day. It was life-changing. Scene one, Jesus encounters a man who lives among the tombs. He's an outcast. His physical, social, uh, psychological reality has, has separated him from everyone. He's an outcast in society. No one could control him. And you know what I say? I say this is a story of extreme hope. Do you ever feel like there's something in you that is uncontrollable? Something you're just thinking, there, no way. No one can deal with this. Even God can't deal with this thing in me. You know someone who's uncontrollable? No, no pointing. Spiritually bankrupt? And you're just thinking, man, they, this, this, they have no clue. They are so blocked. There is so much happening in their lives to keep them from Jesus. And here's what Jesus can do for the out of control, for the one riddled with demons. Jesus just says, I mean, there's some other story. I'll get to that. Jesus just says, come out of them. And the tormented is healed. The utterly bound is freed like that. 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 The, the response of the crowd is interesting. Basically, they're afraid. They're like, yikes. We used to be afraid of that guy who was uncontrollable. Change of plan now be afraid of the one who can control the uncontrollable. I mean, it's actually logical, isn't it? If they don't kind of know from Jesus, they just see this is the guy who, who, who no one wants to be around. He breaks chains. This is a man who breaks chains. And Jesus looks at him and breaks his chains. Right? So he's freed, completely freed. The one that can make all that is wrong Right? And they're afraid of the pure and obvious power of Jesus. Um, I remember uh, many years ago, I was at a church in Evanston, Illinois. I was in seminary. I kind of didn't know what all was going on. I was trying to figure out my life. And at the end of the church service, there was a ministry time like we have. And there was a man in the front, and people were ministering to this man, and clearly he was demonized. I mean, I was no theologian at the point, but... Um, there were strange noises coming from him. There were strange bodily movements, and I was wigged out. I wasn't in the ministry. I was just watching. And there was another man who was a worship leader at the church, and he, he walks down the aisle, and this man who's being ministered to looks at that guy, just an average man with the Holy Spirit in him, and he goes, No, not him. My little theological things are going, Wah! It wasn't the man that the spirit was afraid of. It was the authority of Jesus that that guy carried. It, that was kind of a life-changing moment for me. And I wasn't the demonized guy at that point. So I want you to hear the good news from the story this morning. Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. Jesus have, has authority over the spiritual realm in you. Do not despair. Don't give in to discouragement or fear, either for yourself 
or someone you love, you think they are so far from Jesus. I mean, they are so riddled with demons in the world. There's no way that Jesus could ever reach them. Do not forecast failure. Do not abandon hope. Jesus would just say, only believe. Scene two. Jesus is approached by a known and respected leader of the local synagogue. Right? This guy is known. And we get his name. The, the woman, we don't even get her name. Just a, 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 or, or, uh, or the guy, you know, just legion. Yikes. It's like a superpower or superhero name. Scary, though. But this is Jairus. I mean, th- this guy is known, a well-respected leader. And this is a story of desperation. And we know he's desperate. Why? Because this was not really the cool thing for the leaders in the local synagogue to do. To come to this rebel, challenge Jesus guy, prostrate himself before him, down on his knees in public, in 31 AD, in front of everyone, and then ask this guy to do what everybody knows only God can do. This guy's desperate. This is extreme desperation. His daughter's about to die. How many of you know the experience when your kids are in danger? Social decorum is tossed out, right? I've seen my wife when my kids are in danger. Not nearly as sweet as you think. The tigress comes out. Why? These are my children, right? Everything goes to the wayside. Probably this guy has come to Jesus as his last resort. I mean, I'm just making this part up. It's not in the Bible. But I'm assuming he's a leader in the synagogue, so he knows that God can do stuff. He knows the story of the Exodus, you know. He knows the power of God. So I'm assuming he's already prayed to the God he knows. And he's desperate now. And I'm assuming he's coming to Jesus as like, well, I don't know where else to go. Like they say that this guy has power. So I'm throwing everything aside and, and I'm going to him. I mean, maybe. Maybe he can do it. And he gets Jesus to agree with him to go and touch his daughter. And hope arises. But wait, pause, someone interrupts the scene. Scene three, a crowd is thronging around Jesus. You want to know what a throng looks like? I'm not going to take the time now. Just Google people getting on a, on a train in China. Just Google that. That's a throng. It's a minute and a half of people pushing people into the train. It's desperation to get to the train. This is what it looked like for Jesus. When, you know, when people see raw power and pure love and unadulterated grace, they're hungry for it, greedy for it. The people were thronging around Jesus. And another desperate person who needs the healing touch of Jesus comes, but there's a, one significant difference with this woman. She is not, well, she may be well-known, but she is not well-respected. This woman has an issue. She's got an issue of blood. I mean, she's bleeding for 12 years straight. And, and she's just as desperate to get to Jesus, but she has, does not have the respect of the crowd, so she's kind of sneaky, sullen, I mean, fearful, Right? She's not even allowed to be around the other people religiously. And this is just the time of the day. A woman 
in her menstrual cycle couldn't be around people in a religious context. This woman's been having a period for 12 years. I mean, this is desperation. A story of, I would say, embarrassing and awkward desperation. The guy comes up and says, my daughter's dying. The woman doesn't come up and say, I'd rather not say. And I'm just thinking through this. I'm I'm trying to say, Jesus, what do you want to teach us from this story? And for me, I thought, you know, there are issues in my life that are embarrassing. Sometimes I'll speak here and then I'll turn around after being convicted by my own message and ask for someone to pray for me, right? Um, Sometimes I'm convicted by the message or the word or the spirit or whatever, and I don't really want to talk about what I'm being convicted about. Am I the only one that's ever embarrassed by my issue? There are things in our lives that we know intellectually Jesus can touch and heal and deal with. But we don't really want to talk about it. This is not what you put on Facebook or Instagram. And I wonder if some of us think my issue can even block Jesus. But desperation finally breaks through fear and embarrassment. Desperation breaks through fear and embarrassment. You know, faith can look silly sometimes. It's just real, you know. I grew up in a church. Um, I loved gr- things about the church I grew up in. I learned so much. One thing I learned was everything done decently and in order. And it took me a long time to realize that sometimes faith looks silly. Not so decent. Not so orderly. And this woman is desperate. So what happens when she touches just the hem of Jesus' garment? Instantly and completely healed. And I don't think that that's a, I mean, I think you can imagine what that's like. If you've experienced one state for 12 years and all of a sudden it changes instantly, you know. I had LASIK surgery 17 years ago because a doctor said he'd do it for free. I'll tell you, I knew from... Uh, not being able to see when I woke up in the morning to, I can see, right? I mean, I knew something was different. This woman knew something was different. She knew that the power of God had touched her. There's another thing that was evident immediately. Jesus, this is so wild. Like, I don't even know what to do with this. Jesus is like, wait a minute. I felt power go out. Don't you think Jesus should have control of his own power? I don't, I don't know what to make of it. He's just like, wait, let's hold everything. I know we got a girl about to die. I know we got a lot of things going on here. But I just felt power go out of me, and I need to know what's going on here. Do you ever think when you're praying for yourself or you're praying for another person, I better do this just right? Like, I better get the words right? I saw someone pray for someone and they got healed and they stood like this, so I better stand like that. That one time I prayed for that one person, I said that one word, and then it happened. You ever think like that? Like, there's got to be a method here. Well, I can't find any method here because Jesus didn't even know what was happening. This wasn't a prayer. She didn't say, Jesus, would you please? She just touched him. No, no, no. She touched the hem of his garment. 
the only words that were spoken were in her own mind. That's what the Bible says. Because she thought to himself, if I just touch the hem of his garment. Because she understood power. Jesus didn't seem to care what her problem was. How she came to him, how she expressed her faith. Whether it was public or private or how awkward the situation was. If we take the reaction of Jesus, you know, at face value, he he didn't even know what had happened. There was just some sort of spiritual sensation that power had gone from him. And so now, rather than blood flowing, power flowed. All she'd experienced for 12 years was this outflow of life. And all of a sudden, an inflow of life changes the course of her life. She's, it's, it's forever. She's changed. And Jesus responds to her. He says, go in peace. When is the last time this woman experienced peace? I just thought about that. When's the last time she'd experienced peace? Probably not in the last 12 years. Now she's physically touched. She's spiritually healed. Why? How? We can't figure it all out. I don't know the method here. I, don't, I can't have a, a model to give you other than this reality. Jesus has authority over the physical realm. He was there at creation. The scripture says that all things were created by him and for him and through him. So is there any place in the physical realm that he created that he doesn't have authority over? And I'll give you the right answer. No. Nothing. Now, our minds construct, but what about my situation? Right? And it's, it, we understand it. The woman felt that. So you've got a physical issue or you're praying for the sick. You want to see God use you in healing. Don't let embarrassment or doubt or fear keep you from pressing in to the one who releases life-giving power. I'm not saying that if you... Go again to Jesus today with that faith, then he'll heal you. I'm not the healer. I'm just saying fear and discouragement and all that stuff that will push us away from pressing in. At some point, the Holy Spirit puts desperation within us that goes past all of that. And that's when we touch the power of Jesus. Don't give in to discouragement. Only believe. That was scene three, which interrupted scene two. Let's go back to scene two, take two, all right? Remember the the leader of the synagogue with the daughter about to die? He's, you know, no matter what the social construct is, there he is, putting himself in front of Jesus. He's got Jesus to agree to come and touch his daughter, but wait, while Jesus is experiencing his own personal power outage, that's a pun, power outage. It's good, right? Stephen, come on. It's great. Power outage. Someone from the house of the ruler with the daughter who's about who was sick comes and says, uh, "Don't worry, she's dead." I mean, don't don't bother. Literal words. Don't bother the master anymore. Don't bother Jesus anymore. It's 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 too late. It's all over. There was hope, but now it's gone because she's dead. And Jesus says to the ruler. Not to the people, to the ruler, the one who came in faith. He just says two things. One's a don't and one's a do. He says, don't fear. His daughter's dead. 
Don't fear. Only believe. You ever feel like my situation is past remedy? (laughs) Some of you feel that this morning. I know it because I've already talked to you this morning. Like my situation is past remedy. The, The dream is no longer just sick. The dream is dead. Like my situation, if, if only God had X, Y, Z at this time or that time or that time, then, you know, we could, but we're past it now. And literally, hope is illogical. What, doesn't it make, wouldn't hope be illogical for the man? She's dead. Has he ever seen someone come back to life from death? No, he hasn't. The dream's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. There's no point in praying about it. And Jesus basically says to the guy, hey, it's not as bad as it looks. That's, what I, that's how I take it. Hey, don't worry. It's not as bad as it looks. Don't fear, only believe. And we don't even know what the response of the synagogue leader was. We don't get that. We don't know what the look on his face was. We just know that Jesus makes his way to the house, and he says to the, world, to the, to the girl in... Um, in English, there's a lot of words in, in Aramaic, which he would have been speaking just two. He basically says, girl, arise. There's nothing magical about it. I mean, he literally just says, you, get up. With the authority of all heaven behind him. And the seemingly unalterable physical reality of death bows to the all-powerful spiritual reality of Jesus' authority over life and destiny. Jesus has authority over your life and your destiny. Basically, the principle here is death cannot get in the way of God's plan in your life. That's a hard word for some to hear. That's a hard word. But it's the reality. Death cannot get in the way of God's purpose and plan for your life and your destiny. This is the good news. Jesus has authority over your life and destiny. Don't cave into fear. Don't nurture doubt. Jesus just says, only believe. So all three stories, Jesus has an ultimate plan for each person, and each person in each story gets the same thing. In some way, shape, or form, they get saved, healed, delivered, right? They get sozoed. They get the the ultimate salvation given by Jesus. But the intermediate plan and the method of Jesus were vastly different. He comes to one and talks to demons. Just by the way, Vineyard 101, when we talk about dealing with the demonic, we say, don't talk to demons. Jesus did it, but we say, that's not a good practice. I don't know why he did that. I, I, I can't find any reason. He heals the guy, and then he says to him, you can't follow me. Just go back to your friends and tell them what happened. Imagine his friends. (laughs) Do his friends really want to see him? Uh, Not considering his past state. This is extreme demonization. When the man who's demonized sees Jesus, he runs toward him. Okay, the physical body runs towards him. But who speaks? The demon speaks. That's bizarre. So I'm thinking, just practically speaking, are the demons looking forward to having an encounter with Jesus? 
Who rushed to Jesus? The guy that was completely demonized. And this is what I take from that. Deep in the, in the soul, in the will of every person made by God, no matter what's going on in their lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically, they have the ability, if God gives it, to come to Jesus. We cannot abandon hope for people. We cannot abandon hope for people. We don't get to say who's going to come and who's not. The demons speak, but the man goes. Why does Jesus talk to the demons? Why does Jesus cut a deal with the demons? I have no idea. I wouldn't suggest that practice. Let's make a deal. You go into Adam's car and take it. No, (laughs) don't do it. Right. I don't know why Jesus does it that way. What we do know is this. With Jesus, there's never any reason for despair. Because Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. One person comes to him, gets healed, and Jesus doesn't even seem to know about it. He finds out about her. She fesses up. He says, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. And I think the woman is probably thinking, I didn't do anything but believe. You're the one that healed me. I didn't do anything. All I did was believe. And I think Jesus is saying, I like that attitude. I like that attitude. All you have is faith. I like that a lot. And Jesus responds. And he says, now go in peace. How are faith and healing connected? I really don't know. Doesn't Jesus know everything? Yes. I don't know why it's in the Bible like that. Why doesn't she follow Jesus? I don't know. All I know is this. When it comes to our issues and Jesus, do not fear, only believe. One of these situations starts as a healing request and ends up after Jesus' distraction as a dead body. That's a bad day. Jesus is mocked for his faith. He says she's not dead, she's only asleep. They laugh at him. Then Jesus isolates himself from everyone. Why wouldn't he want everyone to see the power? I don't know. Why wouldn't he... Why wouldn't he want everyone to be there and see what faith looks like rather than doubt? I don't know. Mystery. But Jesus exerts his authority over the life and the destiny of this little girl, and he changes the girl's life forever. Resurrection will do that to you. And then he says, don't tell anyone. I'm like, I'm looking for a principle here. The first guy you say, don't follow me, go tell all your friends. The second person you heal in the midst of everyone, then you say it wasn't me, it was her faith that healed. And then this guy, I mean, this is a resurrection. This is big news. And he says, don't tell anyone. Like, Jesus, I don't understand any of this. How do you respond to all this? And all I know is the response of Jesus, do not fear, only believe. So if there's one healing principle from all these stories in Mark 5, it's that there's no one model. (laughs) There's no one way. We don't follow a model or a method. We follow the master. We follow Jesus. I mean, the one constant here, the one constant is Jesus himself. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why we lead people to Jesus. That's why when we're asking for help in the day, we say, Jesus, help me. That's why Jesus is the Savior and not me or you in all the situations of your life. We come to Jesus. 
We don't follow a model or a method. We follow the master, the king of kings. The the kingdom of God is present. He's right here in our midst. And I want to leave you with whatever the situation is in your life or the lives around you. Do not fear. Only believe. Let's stand. And I want to ask the ministry team to come forward. Anyone on the ministry team? And Lynn, if you could come and play. I remind you when we're done with uh, ministry here, the prophetic art will be available over here. Maybe the Lord wants to speak to you through that. I need a few more ministry team people. Come on up. I'm not going to go back through the message and give you here are five ways you can respond because the spirit of God is here and he's speaking to you. So in any way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to respond, 